Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter of 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who lives, everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome, For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Still our hearts, O Lord, calm our minds, open our ears, may our souls be receptive to you this day. And as you speak, Your servants are listening, and our humble prayer is that you would transform our very lives so that we would leave our time with you, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. So the writer's strike that hit Hollywood back in the spring, there's a downstream effect of that as content that was being produced here in the United States dried up. The TV uh, the TV systems, the cable systems, the streaming services all had to look for new outlets, new sources for content. So they turned to the TV options coming out of Canada and Australia to foreign films heavily loaded with subtitles, and even into documentaries. So that there was always something out there, something new for us to watch, to absorb and fill our time. Now, the interesting thing about this is that all this content was there all along, but because we were distracted with stuff made here, we didn't know this. the rest of this world was available to us. And then all of a sudden it was. And so I confess to you that I've watched a lot of just what I described, the foreign films with the subtitles. I can't keep my eyes on the screen at the bottom and what's happening, so I've about tuned those out. But the documentaries I find are fascinating. And so one such documentary was one on military working dogs. I saw it come across the things you might be interested in. I'm not really sure why, but I saw that and I thought, well, heck, why not? And it was fascinating. 
I mean, there's a military working dog, think police dog on steroids, okay? I mean, it's completely fascinating. You, you watch this, and the dog and its handler, they move in perfect synchronicity as they go through their maneuvers side by side, sometimes the dog walking between the handler's legs as their handler steps forward, the dog does too. As the handler step back, the dog does too, side to side, the whole nine yards. And then there's this moment where you realize that the dog totally trusts the handler. I mean, they'll jump out of airplanes together and rappel down cliffs. Try that with your dog at home. <laughs> yep, you've got that dog too. Uh, so then the other thing is the, do- the, the handler gives commands in Dutch or German, and as soon as they do it, the dog takes off and does exactly what it says. I know a little bit of German. I know how to sit and stay too. And as soon as the handler yelled, I sat. But anyway... It's fascinating to see this, and then at the end of the mission or the end of the exercise where they would play as a reward for the dog, playing fetch or chase, sort of this handler enjoying the dog and the dog enjoying the handler's happiness. But as I got to the end of that documentary and that that sort of sense of fascination, I kept thinking, this symbiosis doesn't come easy, dog and handler. It comes from weeks and months and maybe even years of working together, being connected. And I got thinking, there's something in this relationship that maybe speaks to the relationship that we should have with God. Now, John Wesley, the Anglican priest, the founder of the Methodist movement, he was one of the most educated men of his day. In those days and times, the most educated folks were typically your clergy, your lawyers, uh, your doctors, maybe the, the uh, children of the richest people in the community. So he received his education first from his father's pulpit. His dad was an Anglican, an Anglican priest, an educated man himself. But he also got it at home from the lessons his dad taught, but more importantly, the ones his mom, Susanna, taught. Because she made sure that all the Wesley children knew their letters, knew to do math, knew history, knew as much as possible. So when time for him came to figure out what he was going to do in life, off to Oxford College he went, educated there to become an Anglican priest himself. And so here he is, he graduates, he's ordained, he's one of those highly educated men of his generation, and he feels called to ministry but not in a cathedral per se, but called to ministry to preach to the masses, to the blue-collar worker, to the working poor, to the illiterate. And he was quite successful because he met them right where they were, on their terms. He put the master, the, the wonders of theology and the awe of God in terms and ways they could understand. For example, he took sort of a whole catechism, a whole year's worth of confirmation and theological study, and he condensed it down, this idea of discipleship is following Jesus, and he condensed it to three general rules. We've been talking about these the last couple of weeks. The first was to do no harm. The second was to do good. And the third one was this, was to attend to the ordinances of God. That's a little highfalutin sounding, I think. Attending to the ordinance of God, that was normal speak for the 1700s, what he really meant was this, stay close, stay connected to God. 
If you want to be a good disciple, a good follower of Jesus Christ, do no harm, do good, and stay close, stay connected to God. So John Wesley believed and he taught this whole idea of staying connected to God, and we hear it again in our text this morning. We hear 1 John coming up with a very similar, a very similar argument for what it means to be connected that we are to love the children of God, that we are to obey God's commandments. And even as John writes this, he he was simple. He didn't say abide the law, he said the commandments. So we can go with the 10 that started the whole thing off, or we can skip over to what Jesus did in simplifying the 10, which had grown to 613, and he brought it back down to two. Love God with all your heart, and all your might and all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. But that's what John Wesley was teaching, this whole idea of staying close to God. is about reaching this symbiosis, this synchronicity with God, that it's almost a sense of perfection. A sense that if we know someone that is in that relationship, it's almost as fascinating to watch as some other things we see, the symbiosis between master maybe and handler and dog. See, this idea of staying close to God is about listening. So we know that staying close to God is about listening intently to hear what it is that God has to say to us to understand who God wants us to be. I mean, I think about these working dogs as I watch in this video. There's a reason that they're trained in Dutch and German, and they're trained by the same handler, and they work together from the time that they are puppies enough to learn because they want to make sure that in the den of battle or in the den of work where there's all the noise of the world around them, that when the, when the handler speaks, the dog recognizes the voice. But it's not just the voice, it's the language. So unless they're going to be working in Holland or working in a German-speaking country, the reason why they're trained in Dutch and German is very few people know that because it's a little hard to say if you don't know all the words. And therefore, across of all the din, all the cacophony of what's happening as people are shouting and arguing back and forth, that when that handler says those words in that language, the dog hears, I know the voice and I know what to do. And the dog takes off. The dog knows what to do because he knows the voice. So it's kind of how it should be with us and God as well. Do we listen intently for the voice of God? It's really this sort of rhetorical question for our lives is, do we really listen intently? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. So we are the sheep of God. So we're going to think, do we know the voice of God? When we're about to do something and we have this unsettled feeling or our friends are trying to get us to do something that we think is not quite right and we think that maybe our conscience is telling us don't do it. That's really the Holy Spirit and the voice of God coming into us and washing over us and almost hollering at us, whoa, 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 don't do it. Do we stay close to God, hearing God so succinctly over the noise of the world around us? Or we think about our prayer life, and when Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet, go into a closed room. Now, some translations use the word closet. Folks, in the ancient world, they didn't have closets. It was four walls was a room. 
So when Jesus said, go in your closet, it means go to a closed off space, meaning shut the world out. Tune out the noise and listen. So do we do that? When we pray, do we go and pray in silence so that we can tune the world out to still our hearts, to quiet our minds, to let the cacophony of what happens around us just be elsewhere for a moment? Do we read the scriptures and let the words of God wash over us as we try to see what it is and hear what it is that God is speaking to us through the words of the Holy Bible? And maybe sometimes the noise is so great that we can't seem to get that moment where we can really focus, and that's where we can use the tools of creation. We can, if we can't go off to where it's silent, we can learn to tune the noise out by maybe playing music in the background that soothes our hearts but blocks the noise around us. I was thinking as the choir was just singing that piece, it was all in German, and I had the translation in front of me. At some point, I quit looking at the words and just listened. And listen for what God was saying to me in that moment. Do we do something like that? See, friends, when we choose to listen intently, when we seek and yearn for God's voice so that we can hear it clearly and hear the commands that God calls to us in a voice that we hear, then we know what it means to stay close to God. But staying close to God is not just about listening, it is about trusting I think of that canine dog rappelling or jumping from, an air, from a helicopter or an airplane. I mean, there is trust yet. But what else I want you to notice in this is they have a harness on another dog and the dog is clipped to the handler so they are tethered together through that whole experience. And what I'm beginning to realize is that that handler is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to, I'm sorry, the handler is not going to take the dog anywhere that he or she is not willing to go. And that that handler never abandons that dog. They are always together. So I think this idea of staying close to God, for us, staying close to God means the realization that God does not call us, that God does not send us to do what God was not willing to do himself. I mean, think about what God did in Jesus when God sent Jesus to us to heal the sick, to eat with sinners, to face being shunned and reviled because he spoke the truth for doing what was right. Loving enemies, forgiving those who would speak ill of you. When God calls us and asks us to do that, God's not asking us to do something that God has not already done in this world. The other part of that is understanding that we are never abandoned. There are times that we may feel like we are alone in the turmoil and the strife that's happening in our lives. But if we will search our hearts, if we will listen intently, we'll begin to realize that in those troubled times that we truly are not alone. As a matter of fact, God is right there with us, sometimes holding us up above the muck and the mire and the crashing waves. I think of the disciples, they were on the boat. Jesus had gone to the mountain to pray and sent them across the Sea of Galilee. And the moment the storms come up and they think they're all alone, they think that they're going to be drowned and afraid. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to them across the water and he says, do not be afraid. 
and he calms the wind and the waves. Or I think about the conversation with the thieves on the cross. What does he say to them? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. They are not alone at the critical hour. Or the conversation that he has with the disciples long after the resurrection, just before the ascension. And he says, I am about to leave this earth, but you will not be alone. I will send the Holy Spirit and I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. See, friends, when we begin to realize that we are in the most difficult places in life, that we open our eyes a little wider, search our hearts, that we begin to recognize that God is with us every step of the way. So staying close to God is this idea to trust that no matter where we go in life, no matter what we face, that God is with us even in our darkest, scariest moments, that we are not alone. And thanks be to God. But as we begin to realize that staying close to God is about listening and about trusting, it is also about following. I think of watching the dog and the handler. They move in anticipation. They move in synchronicity. As if the dog anticipates every move the handler's about to take next, as if they are wired together, sharing the same brain. And that comes from being so close and working so closely together which is how the practice of faith should be for us as well. If we want to stay close, if we want to stay close to God, we've got to learn to follow Jesus as closely as possible. There's an old Jewish blessing that says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And what I mean by this is that those days, people picked a rabbi, a teacher to follow, and if you follow that teacher's teaching so much and you learned what they were teaching so much as if you were walking not just beside them, but so close that the dust they kicked up under their sandals would cover you because you were right there in sort of the vapor trail, if you will. So friends, Jesus is our rabbi, our teacher. And so if we are called to follow him, we're not called to follow at a distance, but up close and personal, right beside Jesus, step by step, teaching by teaching, just as he did. We're called to observe how he lived. We're called to notice how he treated all people, whether they're in the C-suite or on the city streets. The lesson for us here is if we want the symbiosis, the synchronicity with Christ, then when we meet people, when we speak to people, when we get on social media, when we make our plans, when we count our blessings, when we take care of business, we move, we act, we speak, we react, and we treat people just as Jesus did. See, then and then only are we moving in synchronicity. We're moving lockstep with Christ, and we find ourselves covered by the dust and the glitter of his teachings and the joy that comes from all of that. And so as we stay close, as we stay close to God, close to Jesus, we begin to find the joy that comes in the kingdom. Yes, if you watch these working dogs at the end of a mission, they get to play, and it looks a lot like fetch or a lot like chase, but it's a reward for the dog, and the dog is excited, and you can almost see the smile on their face, but what it is is they're wrapped up in the happiness of their handler, and their handler is wrapped up in the happiness 
of the dog. And it's a scene of pure canine and human joy at that moment. And so when we stay close, when we as followers of Jesus Christ, when we listen and we trust and we find ourselves covered in the dust of the master, we also find pure joy in our hearts. But there's more than that. We begin to understand what Jesus meant when he said, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into your master's happiness. We begin to understand a joy like no other. And so this morning, we may find that happiness ourselves. We may find a happiness like that, one like no other than we've ever experienced, if we stay close to God. If we listen intently through prayer and scripture and through worship to hear God's voice over all the noise of the world around us. If we trust God, that God will not send us or call us to a place that God wasn't willing to go or that God won't leave us no matter what, that God will always be present every day from here on out as God has been beforehand. And that if we move and act just as Jesus did when he walked the earth, if we begin to do that, then we begin to experience what we know is a joy beyond no other's. We begin to experience the reward of the Master's happiness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.